Hey friend, I just want to take a quick moment to let you know about something we offer here at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Now listen, Nothing Is Wasted is not just this podcast that you've been enjoying, full of stories of hope and healing in the midst of difficult and painful valleys. We're also a ministry with unending resources that can help you move forward on your healing journey from whatever pain you've experienced in life. We've got the Pain to Purpose course, masterclasses, curated pathways around specific pain points, an online community, and so much more. But if you're just getting started on the path of healing and you're interested in learning more about how you can even begin to untangle your pain, I want to invite you to our free live five steps to taking back your story Zoom call. I'll be there live and I'll just be sharing some practical steps that you can take right here, right now to move from the hurt and trauma you've walked through and into deeper healing. You and I will be able to engage with each other. You'll be able to ask questions and learn what it looks like to start taking back your story. Now, it's completely free, but it may just be the step that God uses to begin in you a journey of deeper hope and healing no matter what you faced. All you got to do is sign up at nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash start here. And join me as a first step to taking back your story no matter what you've gone through. Now, listen, there is very real pain and loss that is threatening to keep you discouraged and despairing, but it doesn't have to be that way. Let me give you some practical hope that I've learned in my own pain and suffering after losing my wife, Amanda, in 2015. I found that the only way out of despair is going right through it, and life is too short to stay in your pain. We don't want to waste this. So I want to invite you to join me for our next free live Zoom call by signing up at nothingiswasted.com slash start here. And let the healing journey begin in your life. Nothingiswasted.com slash start. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Aubrey Sampson. And I'm Davey Blackburn. And it is so great to have you guys joining us this week on the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Aubrey, it feels like this is the theme over the past several weeks and weeks to come that there are multiple voices that are doing interviews, that are doing it like we're hosting this. Faces. This I is love exciting. It. Yeah, it's exciting. This is exciting for me because you know that at the beginning of this ministry, we did not want to just make this about the Blackburns and our yep. story. Yep. It's like, this is about, I mean, this is part of, guys, pain is the common denominator of mm. life. It, it touches all of us. It's like, yeah. that's the that's the the, the leveling, yep. right? Yep. And the equalizer for all of us. Yep. And there's so many amazing stories and so many incredible voices who are experiencing God in the midst of their pain and have something to say about Mm -hmm. that that's going to help us, that's going to help us to tune into who God is and how He leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. So I'm, this is just so much fun for me to like, we were, we were talking about this before Aubrey and I was like, man, I don't, okay, Jessica here. (laughs) I know. Who did that? And you're like, oh yeah, I interviewed her. I was like, oh yeah, okay. So yeah, last Strawn, who? Oh, Eric interviewed uh, him. Like, and I'm going, man, I don't even know. Here's, the, I don't know what's going on around here. It's amazing. Which is so good. I mean, that's like <laughs> such a good place to be as a leader. And I do remember. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if our listeners will particularly remember this, but 
I feel like it was last year, Davy, that we all began kind of praying that like the roots of nothing is wasted would not only grow deeper, but like the connectedness yeah. with other ministries yeah. would grow stronger. And I feel like mm. God is just doing that because people yep. like Eric and people like Vanitha and other voices that have come around side, nothing is wasted mm. are, are making all of those roots more connected and greater. And then the kingdom is more impacted. And you're right. Mm. It's everybody who's here has a pain story. That's right. And yet God has has met us, met them in it. And so mm. I think that's what's so, it's beautiful to see what God's doing here and nothing is wasted. It's really cool to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Yeah, it? that's it. Yeah, that's it. And that's what I would like. If there's a transferable principle to you as the listener of mm. what we're talking about here is tether yourself to something bigger than yourself. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Right? Like something that's not just your own. I mean, you know, we say this often that we're not the point of this whole thing. Totally. But God invites us to play a part. And so we yeah. get to be a part of this kingdom thing that's so much bigger. Mm-hmm. And I think that like transcends to, you know, churches. And it's like, let's just, let's be players in the kingdom. And yep. Yep. Watch what God does because I think we can do, we can go so much further and impact so many more people mm-hmm. together than we can all by ourselves. Yeah. So good. So I'll be off. I'm off that soapbox. I'm just really, it's really fun to be a part of that. Yeah, it's really fun to see. Well, I did, like you said, get to interview Jessica Harris. This is a really, this is a sensitive conversation. Mm. So, you know, we like to just tell people sometimes if you're listening with kiddos, this is one of those ones. It's got some adult content because part of Jessica's story is she was exposed to pornography at age 13. And really, it became a major stronghold in her life. And we, you know, we can talk about this, Davy, perhaps later. But one of the lies that really I think has been spoken over this conversation is this is not something women deal with. This is only right. something that guys deal with. And because of that lie, Jessica sort of hid in mm-hmm. her stronghold and in her addiction and. Uh, it really took over her life in some unexpected and horrific ways. Thankfully, as you'll hear her story, God met her powerfully. But um, we'll we'll listen to that in just a minute. I would really encourage you to, I mean, it's such a good story, listeners. So I know you'll be excited about it, even though it's a hard one to listen to. Um, Before we dive into our conversation with Jessica, though, we want to invite you to do something. If you're looking for your next step here at Nothing Is Wasted, we would love to invite you to go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Davey does these free live calls uh, with five steps to taking back your story. That's something we're very passionate mm-hmm. about here at Nothing Is Wasted. Do you want to say anything more about that, Davey? Yeah, it's just a great, It's. I mean, God has really shown up in profound ways in those in those calls. You know, it's not a webinar. It's not like we're yeah. like, okay, hey, you know, we're just going to kind of teach some stuff and you guys get some little tidbits we, we actually I, I see your face and you see my if you want to and I, you see my face and we're yeah and and then we have some Q&A at the end and inevitably you know God's showing up and I mean there's uh, you know maybe this isn't gonna make you want to show up but there's tears and there's it feels mm. like God's healing people in mm. that yeah moment uh, while we're on that call and so you know we've always wanted to make sure that we are ministering to you personally and that no matter the reach that nothing is wasted ministry that nothing is wasted ministries has that it there's a very relational personal yeah. touch yeah because that was the ministry of Jesus was mm, as he good, walked Davey. around and so for everybody right for like Aubrey for like we try to embed that into our entire team yeah you know i think about when we were at art conference back in april 
And mm. what we walked away from was, oh my, oh my goodness, we're there with a booth, but we're we're like ministering to and praying with pastors hurting and people. church leaders who are hurting. Yeah. And that was like the that was the thing we were spilling over with mm. in excitement and joy because it was like, oh, this it felt like a healing environment it's right amazing. there. Amazing. And that's and that's really what we want to invite you into because yeah. uh, we feel like that that every single person, God has healing for every single person. And that may look different than what you expected, yeah. but he wants to show up in your story. Good. And so that's what we're here for. Yep. So go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here to take your first step. All right. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and take a listen to my conversation with Jessica Harris. Well, hey, Jessica Harris, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. So glad you're with us today. I am happy to be here today. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I, I'm so we we were before we like went quote on air. You and I were laughing about how like we. I had a neighbor come in and a kid I had to shove downstairs and you've got a baby asleep and your husband had to take kids out. So this is what women do. This I just need our audience to know this is what it takes for women to be on the podcast together. So thank you, Jessica, for taking all that time to be with us and making it happen. Um, I, I know you have a powerful story. And so I, I'm just going to open with a big open-ended question. Jessica, tell us about yourself and tell us your story. Yeah. So, um, my name is Jessica, obviously, and I grew up in the, in the church. And so my, my big, I guess, um, meeting point is that, um, I run the blog Beggar's Daughter and Beggar's Daughter is a website designed to communicate the truth of God's grace to women who struggle with sexual sin. Mm. And I, I'm passionate about that because it's my story. I grew up in the church. I grew up in a, a Christian home, um, but I was exposed to pornography when I was 13. Mm. And this is um, back in the day when it took us forever to get online. Yeah, right. <laughs> when it was <laughs> when it was dial up, and we had floppy disks, and Oregon Trail was like the game to play. You like, you way look back. a lot younger than me, but yes, 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 girl, yes. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so I was exposed, and it was back when the internet was basically new. Right, we didn't really understand the dangers of having this access in our homes, and I don't think people realized that there was even pornography out there. Like mm. way back in that day, pornography was still a playboy kind of thing. Yeah, and, right, um, right. So I was exposed to pornography in that in that context. And in church, um, it was like right in the middle of all the true love weight stuff and all mm. the purity rings. Mm. And so the only conversations that we really had about sex were like, don't talk about sex. Yes, right. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm exposed to pornography in this and just going, oh, this is, this is the big secret that everyone's trying to keep from us. Oh, you know, that, uh, now I understand. Wow. And so I, wow. in my mind as a, as a 13 year old Christian girl, it just seemed like, oh, this is a perfectly acceptable alternative to what all of those heathens out there are doing. <laughs> like all of those other people wow. are out there sleeping together, but this is safe because it's not, Involving anybody wow. else, I'm not going to get pregnant. I'm not going to 
none of none of. I'm not going to get diseases. Right. Yeah. Wow. Like, it's totally safe. This is healthy. This is good. Wow, Jessica. Because um, I didn't have any messages telling me it wasn't otherwise. Mm. Right. There, there was no messaging really around healthy sexuality or what that looks like, except to just say like, don't do don't it. Don't have sex. Um, wow. And I wasn't. <laughs> so you're good. So, I'm good. So I struggled mm. with pornography for years. Um, by the time I graduated from high school, I would say that I was full on addicted. Like it, wow. it consumed my life. Wow. And I looked for help. I tried to break free on my own Mm. and I couldn't. I I was trying to motivate myself to stop. I would try to limit how long I spent online and Mm. that didn't work. Um, I would beat myself up like physically (gasps) trying to get myself to stop and that didn't work. And so I went looking for help when I was 17 Mm. and everything out there was for men. Yeah. Whoa. And I thought, oh, this isn't normal for Whoa. women to, yeah, it's, this isn't a normal thing for women to look at. Mm. Am I the only woman in the world who's done this? Um, and so that started this journey of shame for me, really, because I hadn't really felt shame necessarily before that. But now that I'm going, oh, this isn't, this isn't something that everyone does and that's just healthy and like that people just do for fun, you know, like yeah. this is something I'm stuck in and there's no way for me to get out. Wow. And that started a journey of shame for me. And eventually I found freedom and there's, and I'm happy to talk about yeah. it, but um, that's part of the reason why I share my story. Wow, and I Jessica. started my blog in 2009 mm. and um, have been sharing my story and talking to mm. women who had that struggle, just trying to change the conversation, yeah. especially in the church from this is what men this do men to problem. this is just, this is just a, a human problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is just I, what anyone can struggle and I, with. I do. I want to come back to that because I, you know, I, I've been in ministry for a long time and the amount of girls and young women that come to me and say, this is a struggle for them. And then the added shame, because it's not normalized that women struggle right. with this too. So I, I want to come back to that. Um, and we'll be sure to put links to your blog and everything, Jessica beggars daughter, um, on our social. But let me ask you a question about, you said you went from like feeling like hey, this is pretty safe to beating yourself up because you were like trying to stop yourself. At what point did you go, maybe this isn't safe or I want to stop this? Mm-hmm. Or like, at what point did you realize it was having a little bit of some damaging or, or or just more power than you wanted it to have? Yeah, so that was during my senior year. So I was on track to be valedictorian in my high school wow. class. Like I'm one of those people that can just like sleep on their textbooks and pass the class. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, many people was, are jealous of you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so I had no problem. Like I had gotten straight A's for as long as I can remember. And so that to me was like a huge goal in my mind, mm. right? Like I am going to, I am going to have arrived once I am top of my class and I was going to go into a career in medicine and all kinds of stuff. So my senior year of high school, though, because my use was so prolific. So I was coming home from school, calling my mom, because this is dial-up. And for yep. those of you that don't like know how dial-up <laughs> works, like if you were on the internet, you couldn't you use couldn't the phone. You couldn't be on the phone right? at the same time, right? <laughs> right? So I would call my mom at work, figure out when she was going to be done, mm. and then tell her like, hey, just so you know, I'll be researching for school all afternoon. Well, I don't need to research for school for hours, right? Yeah. That's not what I do. So wow. I um, I would 
make a note of when she was said she was going to be done. And I would just spend that entire time from when I got home from school to when she said she was going to be home oh, looking at pornography wow, online. Wow. And then when she said she was going to be home, I would, a few minutes before that, I would mm. stop. I would clear the history. I would mm. type in some websites that looked like um, research for school, or like something. research. Exactly. Wow, and, Jessica. and then I would close down the thing. Well, that was just the afternoon. Then after my mom went to bed, mm. I would, cause the computer was in her room. I didn't have access to it. So I would go out into our living room to our TV. Well, back in the day when you didn't get a channel on TV, you could still kind of sort of watch it. Like there would mm-hmm. be, it would be staticky, but yeah. sometimes scenes would like pop through. Yeah. And so I would, I found the adult channels on the TV. And so after my mom had gone to bed, wow. I would go out and I would turn on the TV and I would go to the adult channels that we did not get, obviously. Yeah. And I would just sit there for hours wow. watching a snowstorm and static, just waiting for little scenes to slip through on wow. the TV. When I was just finally that. exhausted, I would be sure to change the channel back to the where it had been. So there's all of this sneaking and like yeah, covering up. Right. And like mm-hmm. um and then I would go to bed for however many mm-hmm. like two hours that was left <laughs> before I had to get up to go to school. Well my grades started to be harder to keep because I was just so exhausted. Exhausted. Yeah. And that's when I was like, okay, maybe this is a little out of control. Like maybe this has gotten a little out of hand. Yeah. <laughs> and let me try to cut it, cut okay. it back. And so at first it was like, let me just dial this back mm-hmm. a bit. Um, maybe instead of eight hours a day, I'll cut it down to four. Yeah. And even that felt wow. impossible. Like wow. it just, it was like, I can't. I can't control this. I can't stop mm. this. Like even when I'm going not today. Like I'm just going to skip today. We're just going to mm. take a break today. It's not going to happen. It was like I would get up and my body was just like we are doing this today whether you like it or not. Yeah. And you're coming along. And so wow. I, I I just found journal pages actually the other day from later on in my journey as I was like struggling to find freedom, but where I'm saying in my journal I write that I was I worked so hard to get that website to work. Mm. I was actually arguing out loud with myself as I'm trying to get the website wow. to work. Like it was just this battle. You know? Yeah, and almost going, like it had like help. divided you in a sense. Like you right. weren't this like holistic, integrated exactly. person because of that. Yeah. Wow. As you like adult Jessica looks back on 13-year-old Jessica through high school, you know, struggling that way. Um Two questions are popping in my head. Feel free to just run with whatever stands out to you, Jessica. But one, like, how was she formed because of that? But then I think, too, like, what do you wish you could, like, if you could, like, step in and, like, speak over her? Like, what do you think you would be yeah. saying? Man, so I think they kind of, I feel like they kind of feed into each other, both of those questions mm-hmm. Do because I I literally just thought about this the other day when I was looking through a box and found two pages ripped out of my journal. I was like, why do I have still have these? <gasps> yeah, wow. but um, like if I could go back to to thirteen year old me, mm-hmm. I I would definitely let her know that her like sense of belonging mm-hmm. and acceptance and even beauty like does does not come from this. Yeah, and it and that. <sighs> Like what you what you think you're missing out on when it comes to like abstaining from sex is not met in pornography at all. Wow. Uh, and that this is not a not a healthy outlet for wow. it. It's not gonna uh, teach you 
good things. And I, I do mm-hmm. spend time on my blog just writing about how my decisions have continued to affect me. And that's not, I'm not damaged, right? Yeah, so I, yeah. Like, but there are still effects that can happen of like, oh, that has its root in pornography, like that lie or that thing that I believe. For instance, um, I've had three children in the span of five years. So, <laughs> so my body is yeah. not the same Whoa, as right. it was five years ago, right? right. And, <laughs> and I would have never told you when I was a teenager, I could never say, oh, I had body image issues mm. because as a teenager, I believed I looked like a porn star. Whoa. And so I was good to go. Like I didn't have self-image issues because in my mind, I was that attractive and I was that. Yeah. I met that standard. Mm. And even when I was first speaking um, and sharing my story, I had a woman come up to me and she said, you know, you're beautiful. Mm. And she said, you totally could have been a porn star. Like I'm not, (laughs) this is a a pastor's conference. (laughs) I'm not exactly sure that that's like the best compliment. Right, right. It was it was that mentality of like of course mm. I'm I'm fine yeah. I don't have body image yeah. issues like I'm gorgeous and then and then I had kids and mm. I did start to struggle with body image issues and mm. I said where did these come from and I realized it's because I no longer looked like a porn star wow and so it's like I've got I do still have these yeah. lingering kind of effects yeah. that I have to still work through but that's what it it can do it can just reshape how you view sex it can yes. reshape how you view relationships yeah. it can reshape how you view your own body yeah. like, it can reshape a lot of of things that are very important mm-hmm. yes <laughs> um, yeah. and that take a long time to kind of work through mm. so i i do want to get back to that working through peace and what the lord has been doing in your journey but um before we do that, let's go back to this conversation about like women and porn because I do feel like it is a major. Well, I think we've done a disservice to young girls and women, but it, it just feels like a major cultural lie, both in the church and without the church, that like this is a man struggle. Every, I mean, those books that we we've had on on nothing is wasted. Stephen Arterburn, like very prolific author in early Christendom in the like nineties and early two thousands. Every man's battle, and mm. um, uh, I I guess the question is that caused shame for you. I know that have caused shame for a lot of women I've ministered to. What's what's Talk to me about that. I'm just going to leave that open-ended. Like, what's the problem with the fact that we said this was a a male issue only? Right. So the problem, and there's so many, oh, there's so many different things I can talk about this. Um, But the problem with it is, is when you go, this is, this is a man's issue, then you're you're not explaining to women why they struggle with it. You're leaving them with a choice yeah. of like, so does that make me a messed up woman? Like, does mm. that make me like, when I was in college, when I first went to college and I got caught, um, their response was, we know this wasn't you. Women just don't have this problem. And so like, it was like, well, I do have this problem. Like so now me. I'm very it, confused. Yeah. Like, so what does this mean about me as a person? Like what, what's wrong mm. with my wiring and what's flawed? And so that's why Oof. the message is so, like that's why it can be so damaging, but its yeah. roots are honest enough. Like I, I really feel like mm. it wasn't, people don't say men have this problem just to make women feel bad about themselves, yeah. right? Yeah, like, yeah. This, we get this messaging because back when pornography like first started keep in mind it's been a thing for millennia right like it's not like a new thing that we just came up with right right 
um, back like in the 50s when Playboy came out or mm. things, Hustler and those sorts of, of still image magazine printed pornography or even um, like the, the silent films in the movie theaters. Yeah. Like back in that era, who had access to the money and who had yeah. the freedom of movement yeah. outside of the home? It was the men. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you're a, if you're a business person mm-hmm. and you're developing a product— you're looking to see who has access to it, and you're going to market it you're to men. Market so when pornography yeah. first started, it was marketed to men yeah. because men were the ones with the access to it. You're not going to find a 1950s housewife, you know, yeah. sneaking yeah. into the store to buy. Right. You know, like right. it would be too difficult right. for a woman in that era to get out and do stuff. That's mm. not to say that women from that time don't struggle, sure. but and when it first started or when all of that kicked off, it was marketed to men. Yeah. Well, then you're talking like 40 years later, the church finally starts to talk about yeah. it. And that's, in the church's eyes, it's like, oh, men have been doing this. Now let's figure out why. Why do men struggle with this? Oh, well, it's because men are visually wired. Right. And like, in an effort to, mm. I think, encourage Christian men to believe that there's grace yeah. and some sort of reasoning for why they're stuck in this, yeah. we made this male-centric yeah. message of like, well, men, you struggle with this because mm. God made you this way, men. Mm. And what we failed to realize is that once pornography was accessible to women, women would also access it. Like, <laughs> and yeah. that doesn't fit in that narrative. No, and so it absolutely doesn't. What you have to do is you have to change the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. And men don't struggle with pornography because they're visually wired. Right. Like that's right. actually disproven with science. Like, like say that again, Jessica. <laughs> like I, that, like preach to the people in the back. You know what I mean? Like I just say that. I hear that message all the time, and I just think it is right. It, it's such. It's not like okay. Like women yeah. are also visually wired. Yes. Let me tell you what: if a guy walks by me without a shirt on, or that pastor wears the right yes. suit, like right, you <laughs> so recognize women that. Can, yeah. can do that too. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a men exclusive thing. And women, I actually saw some material back from um, maybe 20 years ago talking about pornography use among Christians. And someone had even said, like, now we're seeing that women are being rewired by culture to be, and it's no, 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 yeah. no, 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 yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. back it up. Like, God wired us this yes. way, right? And yeah. pornography is just preying on mm. that. And so we have to change the whole message to like, mm. Men don't have a reason that's exclusive to them yeah. for why they're struggling with pornography. They just yeah. struggle with it more because it's born, been more accessible Targeted to them. Targeted to them and accessible right, to them. For longer. Yeah. Yeah. And now that it has been opened up to women for decades now, we're seeing yeah. where it's like slowly risen in use to the point where we have teenage girls now who are just becoming pornography and they think it's cool. Like mm. <laughs> that's the wow, the way that this has escalated where it's gone from yeah. my mom's generation where it's like mm. unheard of really for a woman to yep. struggle yep. to my generation where the internet kind of came in halfway through yeah. and messed everybody up to today's teenagers and right. college students right. who have grown up with tech and they've grown up with their friends using this stuff. I mean, yeah. I spoke at a church like Ugh. 10 years ago, and there was a 12-year-old girl there. So 10 years ago, and she was 12, and she was like, why is this woman even here sharing her story? Like, what's the point? Every girl watches porn. Wow. Like, wow. And that was 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So we have to start like changing yeah. the conversation because— yeah. Um, 
what churches aren't prepared for, I don't think, is like the tidal wave of mm. women who are struggling that's going to hit them. You know, they're they're walking around still going, well, men struggle with this because men are visually wired and women read romance novels. Right. And they're going to get hit with this wall of women who actually watch real porn and they're not going to know what to do. You're so right about that. You're so right about that. Oh, I'm so glad your voice is in this space for that reason. Let's go back to your story. Um, At some point, I know you became a victim of, somebody else's pornography, like you became pornog- uh, commodified and objectified. Do you, mm-hmm. Are you comfortable talking about that? We don't have to go there yeah. if you don't want to, but okay. No, we can go there. We can go there. Okay. Um, so when I was 17, um, and I want people like, keep in mind, like I grew up in the church, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, am, yeah. I am Christian. And it, after I graduated from high school, I feel like I really started my walk with the Lord, even while like mm. battling this struggle. Like, okay, God, well, you know what? You love me anyway. Let's figure this out. (laughs) So I went off to college, Christian college, a Christian liberal arts school. Mm. And that's where I got caught. Um, And my Mm. use had escalated to the point that I was using pornography on our school-provided desktop computer Wow! (laughs) Um, in our dorm room with my roommate asleep on the bunk, like I could reach Come back on. and touch the bunk bed. That's wow. how bad it wow. had gotten. And she would go study in the library because I was always on our computer. And she would sleep with a mask on because I was always on the computer and it was always keeping her up. And so wow. I would be on it all night. And what I would do is I would open like like a word processing document and I would put the internet browser like down in the mm. bottom corner of the computer. So if she looked, it looked like I was working on a paper. Yep. Yeah, but the videos down here in the corner. So that's how I I did that. Well, I get caught because I didn't realize that they were monitoring the internet usage there at the school. Wow. And they said that's the the dean who said we know this wasn't you. Women just don't have this problem. And I wasn't given an opportunity to say wow. actually yes that Aww. that would have been me. Mm. Um, mm. So I walked back to my dorm room after that conversation, and mm. I thought I give up. Like, yeah. I can't keep living that double life, right? That like the perfect on the outside, but struggling so much on the inside. Yeah. Like I'm done. And if yeah. I can't be the good Christian girl who used to struggle with pornography, then I don't have a choice but to be the porn star who used to be a Christian. Like I I wow. needed to own one or the other, right? Wow. So I went back to my dorm room 17 and just started an an online relationship with a, a guy through, I think it was AOL Instant Messenger, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, like we just started chatting all the time because wow. I knew better than to go back onto any websites. Because you so, could get caught for real this time right. or whatever. Okay. Right. Okay. Like, um, but your workaround then, was fact, messaging. Yes. Okay. Because that can't be, that wasn't tracked at the okay. school. They could tell you were in a chat room or you had it open, but they mm-hmm. couldn't see what you were saying or didn't monitor what you were yeah, saying at least. Okay. So, um, at one point in this conversation, and I was only at the school for a semester, so this is all happening very quickly from like September to December okay. is this timeline of, of getting caught and then getting into this relationship with this guy online. Um, I gave him everything. I gave him my real name. I gave him access, my access to my school's intranet. So I gave him Whoa. my sign-in information so he could see... Um, that I was real and that okay. all my stuff. Okay. He said he was a college student from like a state, couple states over. But now that I do what I do, <laughs> I look back at 17 year old me and I want to like smack her upside Sarah's the head. Sarah's like, girl, like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but 
Um, he did. He he was like, oh, you're so cute. You're so beautiful. And mm. then he's like, like, can you send me pictures? And so this is 2003. This is before there weren't even cell phones at wow. that point. It was like webcam stuff. And wow. I was, so I was 17, grew up in the church and I, I wanted that acceptance so much mm. and I wanted to be so done mm. with playing the games and pretending and hiding from people. Like I just wanted to be known, right? Mm. And yeah. wow. nobody knew me. Like even my mm. family, they knew what I wanted them to know, but yeah. they didn't know what I was struggling with. And so this was like the first person in the world who knew who I was and what I struggled with. Cause I like told him like, I'm like, this is what I'm into. This is what I watch or whatever. Yeah. And so he knew all of that. And mm. so then he asked for pictures and I thought like, this is, this is it. This is my future. Like this is wow. what I'm, what I'm reduced to almost. And wow, so I gave him his pictures and mm. he responded back like, God, you're beautiful. Mm. And in that moment, mm. like I would have, I would have done yeah. anything for him. Yeah. Like he could have been like, come and meet me in some scenic gas station like, like five there. miles yes. down the road. And I would have, I would have been there. Yeah. So, and I'm not stupid, right? I think sometimes yeah. people look at these stories of like these young girls that run off with these guys online and they're like, like, what kind of idiot does that? Like yeah. I was a 4.0 student, right? <laughs> like I'm totally. not an idiot. Like yeah. it's just that world and those decisions can be mm. so overwhelming and so intoxicating. And when I sent those pictures to him, Mm. I tell people it was like my, my personhood. So like who I am, my favorite colors, what I like to do, you know, Mm. my hobbies, like what it takes to get to know me, you know, were separated from my body and I became a thing to him. Like he didn't know any of that other stuff. Like here I am doing this because I want to be known, right? I, I mm-hmm. want him to know mm-hmm. who I am. And then in doing it, he knew nothing. Like I gave yeah, him, he did. I gave him everything yeah. and he knew nothing. Yeah. Like so, you were, you were like quote unquote seen, but you definitely right. weren't known. Right. We're not known. And even yeah. seen, I mean, not in the, not in the way that your heart really longed to be. Right. And mm. and then I look back and I go, he probably wasn't a college student no, from two states right, away. Right. And there's this part of me that just goes, wow. Mm. You know, we talk about in culture a lot about, you know, women owning their sexuality and like, why yeah. can't they take, you know, send pictures of themselves to whoever they want? Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's them owning it. I don't own those pictures. Right. Totally. Like, totally. So here's here's me 20 years later looking back and going, there could be Yeah. Uh, somebody out there yeah. with pictures of my 17-year-old yeah. body that I don't want them to have. Like exactly. I lost control yeah. of yeah. my body. I lost control mm. of mm. of that. And mm. it still remains one of like the the hardest regrets of my life. Mm. Of like I wish mm. I wish I would have understand that it's not just a picture, right? Like yeah. I wish I would have understood wow. the deeper message that it communicated when you become like somebody else's pornography, when you commodify yourself for somebody else. Hi, friend. I know these stories on the podcast are so encouraging to hear as you listen to others who have walked through unimaginable pain and and found hope in it, and they've walked through it. But I also know that how to move forward can be the question that so many of you guys who are listening to this or watching this on YouTube, you're asking that question currently as you're walking through the valley. I know when I think about my own journey after losing my wife, Amanda, I wish 
that I'd had something practical, a guide to walk me through the pain and the process of healing, which is why we created the Pain to Purpose course. The Pain to Purpose course is truly a guide to help you remove the debris of crisis in your life and move forward with a renewed sense of victory and purpose. Hundreds have taken the course and found so much hope and healing in their own story. But I want you to listen to what Jarrah had to say about how the course helped her find her way out of anxiety and depression. I came in in a very low spot in my life. Um, I had, I was walking through depression. I was walking through a lot of anxiety. Um, that led me to some really poor decisions in my life that um, got me to the place where I thought I was no longer worthy to be used by God. In the course, I learned a lot of practical tips when I'm feeling unworthy or when I'm really low. First, I learned how to label all those feelings, and then I learned to say, no, this biblical truth is that God loves me, that I am purposeful, that He put me here for a reason, and I had to put that before my unworthiness that I was feeling. So if you're ready to take the next step in healing from whatever hurt you've walked through and want help in how to identify your pain and how to move forward, sign up now for the Pain to Purpose course by going to course.nothingiswasted.com. Again, that's course.nothingiswasted.com. It is interesting to me to hear you talk, Jessica. I mean, my heart hurts for you, for younger you, for sure, just like woman to woman. I just feel that. Um, but also, I think you're exactly right about the cultural messaging that says it is it is empowering to do whatever, send pictures of your body, post pictures, share that. That's empowering. That's feminism. That's And what you're literally saying is, no, it's actually disempowering. Like, I disintegrated myself. I commodified myself. And, and you were doing it out of, like, wanting love and belonging. And there were things your heart was longing for. But, like, that's not empowering. And the, the mm-hmm. way that the enemy, I think, has twisted that cultural message to, like, convince women that that is empowering— you're here to say like, no, like that was something was mm-hmm. stolen from you. Like the enemy stole something from you. Right. Mm. It's it's devastating. And I wish people, mm. I wish people understood that. And I shared my story and that specific part of my story, like that's not typically like, normally my story is like talking about how women struggle with pornography. Yeah. And I don't necessarily go into like the sexting part of, yeah. of what I struggled with. Yeah. Um, but I spoke at a teen conference and I decided to share that part of my story. And Jessica. I had a girl come up to me afterwards and she sent, she handed me a little note with her story written out on it. And she's just bawling. And she said, I sent nudes to my boyfriend. Oh, this is a Christian conference, right? These, like, are, these are youth group girls. Yeah, right? yeah. And you saying this <laughs> is like, my mama heart is like, oh, anyway, go ahead. So, so she, these are good girls. She says, right. She said, I sent pictures to my boyfriend, and then he broke up with me. Mm. And then to get back at him, so she's getting back at him, oh. I sent them to his two best friends. Oh, gosh. And she, I flipped the paper over, and it said, I feel so lost mm. across the back. And I just, like, I just wish people understood how, like, tangled up your heart and head get when you're mm. in that space. Because it's so, I feel like it's so easy for people out here to kind of sit and talk at it. You know? Yeah, like, right, totally. Like you should know better and you were raised in the church and you, yeah. you should know better, but you weren't in her heart and you mm-hmm. weren't 
in her body. Like you weren't there to understand Mm. the desperation or the gravity Mm. of what she was doing. And you can sit there and talk at them until you're blue in the face, but until you try to understand where they are, you're not going to make an impact or or help them. Like this is... yes. This is something that can be completely devastating. And so even, mm. you know, chirping at them afterwards mm. isn't exactly helpful either. Absolutely <laughs> like, not. You got to walk them through. It's a healing journey. Yes, that's really. it. It's, it's exploitation and, and yes. it might not be by the boyfriend. Yeah, sure. She gave him willingly, but she's been exploited by she's the enemy. She's been exploited. Like, that, she you know? has been. Right. And, and I also, first of all, I just want to pause and say thank you for beginning to share that second part of your story because I... It's so vulnerable, Jessica, but also the healing that the Lord is going to bring through that, that you're just Mm -hmm. even talking about. Thank you for that. I also, going back to our conversation about, I just think men have been centered or young boys have been centered in this conversation. And so to begin to center the women and the young girls, their Mm -hmm. pain, this young girl's pain in that, I think is so important for us to have a full understanding of what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so Jessica, it's... So you're giving away these photos. You're in this online relationship. At some point, God steps in. Like, tell us, just kind of narrate us through a little bit more of your story from that point. Right. So I left college to go home for winter break um, in December, obviously. And then um, back to the land of like slow dial up. So, <laughs> so it wasn't as easy to be in that kind of contact with this with this gentleman as it was at school yeah. where we kind of had faster, faster internet. Yeah. Um, definitely nowhere near as fast as it is now. But I went home and my mom actually lost her job while I was home on break or right before I came home on break. And I had already determined that I wasn't going to be a doctor anymore. I had given up on that. Wow. I was going to be a, like, I had no choice but to be a porn star. Like I had just convinced oh, myself wow. that that was, that that was the only way out for me. That was like the only path forward for you. Right. The only one that made me feel like I would be able to be at peace with myself, Mm. right? So like I could be done pretending everyone would know and I didn't have to keep the act up anymore. Whoa. So I realized that it probably wasn't fair to my now unemployed mother to, and my mom was a single mom at that time. My parents were divorced. And so I realized it probably wasn't fair to her to keep going to school at a, you know, $20,000 a semester college and under the guise of becoming a doctor when I figured all I was going to end up doing was, you know, being a porn star. So I quit, I dropped out of school, like while I was home on break. (laughs) Wow. And um, we went back and got all my stuff. And then I came back and I started trying to figure out how to, like, how do you get into the porn industry? Now, did your mom know here's why I quit school or? Yeah. Okay. So so even though you're like, here's my authentic self, you're still hiding it. Yeah. Okay. Right. (laughs) So I, I quit school um, for my mom's sake, according to, you know, how I told my mom, like, obviously she's, she doesn't have the money. We uh, don't have the money as a family. Uh, I'm not okay. going to do this to you. Okay. So this is how a convenient that God you, gave mom. me the yeah. <laughs> how convenient that God gave me a way out. Um, so I I'm looking for ways to apply online, and thank thank goodness it's not as easy as like applying to oh, the mall to seriously, work. Seriously, praise you know? God. Um, yeah, I had no idea how you got into it, and it turns out you get into it by being like exploited and taken advantage of by mm. you know wicked and horrible people. But whatever. Yeah. So yeah, so I was. Mm. That did not happen. Um, Mm. And six months after I left school, 
actually an old friend of mine from elementary school was killed in a in a car accident. Mm. And I went to her memorial service. And the memorial service was complete. It was in a big church, completely packed out, completely packed out. And I remember the pastor standing at the front and saying, and I think she was 22 or 23 at the time. um, He said, you know, some people live their whole lives trying to impress other people and get other people to love them. And he says, then we have to practically pay people to come to their funeral because they've like made no impact Mm. whatsoever. Mm. And he says, and then here's Darcy was her name. He says, all she did was love Jesus and loved other people. And the walls of this room cannot contain the Mm. lives that she touched. Wow. And I sat there and I was like, that's what I want. Like, I want to make a difference. I don't, I don't want people to like love it. Like I, it's not like I want people to love and accept me. Like I want to make a difference. I want to matter. You know, (laughs) like I want my life to matter. And it's not going to matter if I'm a porn star, right? Like I, I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact. And so I went forward then um, during an altar call and I was mm. raised Baptist. So we yeah. do altar calls all yeah. the time. Yeah. So. I, I grew up in the Southern Baptist church too. So I remember those <laughs> Every, altar calls, everything girl. Everything is an altar call. Yep. So, <laughs> so we, I went forward and I was like, all right, God, listen, um, I have no idea how you're going to do it, but I want you to make me like Darcy. Like mm. if you can use my life in that way, like I will give you this messed up, banged up, beat up life, like, and mm. you can figure out how to do it. Wow. So that's kind of how I, um, as they call it, like surrendered my life. Um, mm-hmm. And then I ended up going off to Bible college that fall. So you, okay, and, just to reiterate, you're in uh, medical school, essentially, or on your way to medical I was, school. Right, yeah. And then you dropped out, you're this friend passed away at her funeral, God came to you, and now you're in Bible college. Exactly. Because my thought was, okay, I'm going to go to Bible, or I'm still going to go back to medical school, but I won't go to like the expensive Christian schools. I'll just go to like the cheap other ones. Okay. And so to get my good biblical foundation, I'll go to Bible college first. And so okay. I go to Bible college and I kind of tell God, all right, listen, here's the deal. <laughs> have you ever made a deal with God? Like, here's the deal. <laughs> I'm going to go to Bible college, but you have to understand something. Like this porn thing kind of comes with me. Like I've mm. tried to get rid of it. I've tried to make it go away. It's just kind of stuck. Like it's just, it's just part of it's who I am. It's just here. Yeah. It's here. You know, and some of the messaging at the time was like, oh yeah, all kinds of, like all kinds of pastors are struggling with pornography. All kinds of missionaries mm. are struggling with pornography. Like you can use people that struggle with this. I can be in ministry like, and struggle with right. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I went off to Bible college, like, God, you can do whatever you want to with my life, mm. but this comes with me. Mm. And it was there at Bible college that one of the, the dean staff, they had like an all women's meeting, like all of the girls on campus were mandated to come to this. And so they talk about strongholds and Mm. the Dean says like, the idea of a stronghold is like, it's, it's an area of your life where the devil still has a, a a fortress. Right. And so you might have victory in so many other places, but if the devil still has like a tiny little castle, you know, on your turf, whoa, there's a weakness there. Right. And there's an ability to kind of like keep like Mm. chipping away at Mm. you. And so, um, it was like, do you feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? I'm like, yes, I do. You know, <laughs> do you feel like you're just not growing in your walk with God? Yes, yes I do. Like, <laughs> tell me what the answer is. And it was like, well, there's, you know, it's probably a stronghold in your life. Wow. And the dean got up there and said, we know some of you struggle with pornography and masturbation. This is a room full of Christian women. Come on. And we're going to help you. We want to help you. Come on. And it's like the air left the room. Because <laughs> oh. I think like half the women 
or were like, oh, that's me. And the other half were like, <gasps> what did what? you say? No. <laughs> How dare <laughs> <Right>. you? Yeah. <laughs> right. They're like so, clutching their think, pearls. Right. But the other women are like, finally, exactly. somebody said it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And mm. so they encouraged us, like whatever our stronghold was, to, to share it with um, members of the dean staff kind of above us, like RAs okay. or... Okay. Um, and I remember being so angry at that moment, right? Like I was like, God, this isn't fair that this is my story. Um, I want, I call it Christian Barbie's story. Like I want Christian Barbie because Christian Barbie's story is like, well, I just don't read my Bible enough. Like that's her stronghold. Right, that like, is like I the one? her big struggle. <laughs> right. I don't pray for 45 minutes a day. Um and then I'm like, I'm over here like, well, I'm going to actually say that I struggle with pornography. And these poor women are going to be flipping through their little yeah. papers. <laughs> right, right. And they're going to get to mine and go, <laughs> what do we do? Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow, Jessica. So I, mm. I remember just being so frustrated. Like, I want to write down anything else, like any other Christian answer. Mm. But it was like God said, listen, like you've mm. wanted a chance to like be known and have this conversation. Yeah. And they've literally had half of it for you. All you have to do is like say yeah. that's me. You named and, me. Yeah. Wow. Right. And so I wow. did. And they, they, um, mm. I, I handed in my, I rolled the little papers up like into teeny tiny little scrolls <laughs> and I like handed them to the two women <laughs> I was supposed to hand them to crying. And I'm Aww. like, please just read these later. Mm. And then I walked back to my dorm room thinking like, that's it. I just blew it. Like they're yeah. going to kick me out of school. Wow. It's over. It's done. And wow. I remember just praying like, God, this has to work. Like, yeah. If this doesn't work, I've been caught and that didn't do any good. If I confess and there's no answer, there's no hope, mm. there's no grace, then I'm done. Like there's, what mm. else is there to do? And so mm. um, the member of dean staff came to my dorm room later that night and knocked on the door and I thought here we go like I'm packing my bags I'm going home yeah and she said Jessica what you wrote on that paper was brave and we're going to help you and I just I remember thinking brave is the last adjective I would use to mm. describe what was mm. what was on that paper you know mm. <laughs> and Mm. I tell people in that moment, it's like I had been walking around with like this ball and chain of like, you can never tell anybody this because you'll wow. never be free. You'll never be able wow. to break out of this. You Like you'll never wow. be able to shake this. And in that moment, when this woman looks at me and says like, hey, what you wrote on that paper was brave. Mm. It's like I could turn around and figure it to like look the devil in the face and say, yeah. you're a liar. Yeah, that, like, I was literally just thinking about all the lies. Yeah. All the lies. And it was like, shame mm. is a liar. And it was like, mm. what else have you been lying to me about? Like Ooh. there was like this, almost like this emboldenment Ooh. of like, yeah. I am being oh. freed. You know, like the the ball and chain at one of the first sessions I ever taught because I used to do workshops. And yeah. I had this like little um, construction paper you know, Daisy Link chain yeah. and I attached it to a black balloon and mm. was walking around the front with this. And I said, when that happened, when my confession was met with that level of grace mm. and even called brave, I reached back and I popped the balloon. It was, like, it was like the first step in freedom for mm. me. And that's why, mm. that's why this conversation is so important yeah. because there's so many women yeah. walking around with that ball and chain. Yeah. And they're not supposed to have it, right? Ugh. It's not real. <laughs> yeah. And we're, yeah. we can help set them free when we meet that with grace. It, it so you know, it, it makes you think of, um, 
like it's the Lord's kindness that leads to repentance, right? Like yes. if that woman had come in and in any way, shape, or form judged you, critiqued you, punished you, the things you were prepared for, that would not have led to your freedom. But yeah. the fact that she spoke grace and life and truth over you. Right. Oh, so powerful, Jessica. Makes me like, and I think the same. Like, I On that too, though, what I've found in the years that I've been doing this is men need that message yeah, too. Yeah, right. That's right? right. Right. And I think like for so long, the message for men who struggle with this has kind of been like, get your act together and zip your pants up and knock 100%, it off. You know, and 100%. Has been like, yeah. And it's this like aggressive, yeah. you know, all of their stuff has like machine guns and knives and swords and tanks and airplanes. You know, like totally. It's, it's like, very... we're going to like combat this like manly stuff right. with manliness. Yeah. Toxic and then we, manliness. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then we talk about, you know, like you're feeding into the exploitation problem. Mm-hmm. Like that's somebody's daughter. Like what's yeah. wrong with you? And it's like this, this aggressive mm. message of shame mm. and shame does not free anybody. Like it does not. It and does not free anybody. So when I shared my story, mm. like men have read my first book where I share my story in depth and they've gone, like, this is a message that we all need. It's yeah. not just women. Like we yeah. like men are hurting too. Like men are getting into this and being wounded by this and yeah. being changed by this. And when we just scream at them and tell them to knock it off, like right. it's not, it's right. not the heart of Jesus for that's it. Them. Like it's yeah. it's a toxic messaging for them. And it also is like extremely harmful for and not helpful for women. But yeah. we need to change the message for both. Yeah. Really to help people find mm. grace and freedom. Yeah, it's so good, Jessica. Hey friends, I don't know how long you've been a part of the Nothing Is Wasted community, but I know that you are someone who values seeing transformational changes that can come out of the deepest depths of sorrow and pain. I'm sure the stories you've listened to on the podcast have been an encouragement to you, perhaps in your own story, and a beacon of hope in the long journey of healing. Would you like to see that kind of transformation, that kind of hope arise in your own community? Well, We have just the way for you to be a part of what God is doing in not only your story, but also in the stories of those around you. Consider sharing with your local church pastor and leaders, or perhaps your small group leader about the Nothing Is Wasted Pain to Purpose course. This course is a proven pathway to lead people through grief, trauma, loss, tragedy, major life transition, and into hope, healing, and newfound purpose. And you could be the catalyst that starts that process in your very own church by simply starting the conversation with your church leaders and letting them know about the incredible impact this course has had on you and can have on your local church body. We have countless listeners who have approached us and asked us for resources to get the Pain to Purpose course launched in their church. I've had multiple personal conversations with people as we've been connecting with their church leaders. And you can do the same thing. You can learn more about this at nothingiswasted.com slash churches. Again, nothingiswasted.com slash churches. And reach out if you have any questions on how to get the Pain to Purpose course started in your local church. With the right tools, real healing can happen in all of our stories and in the local church body that we attend and that we serve in. Don't wait. Learn more now about bringing the Pain to Purpose course to your church today. So part 
of your story, obviously, when it comes to your own healing, your own redemption, your own freedom, is that you've taken what God has done in your life and you've got Beggar's Daughter, um, this work that you do around this topic. Can you, um, I don't want you to fast forward too fast, but like from this, from you beginning to experience the freedom and grace of God over your uh, pornography addiction and over the shame you were carrying and over the lies to beggar's daughter, like paint that picture for us. Right. So um, I left Bible college, graduated Bible college, like, all right, off to medical school we go. And Mm. um, (laughs) um, obviously I'm not a doctor, just in case, (laughs) spoiler, I'll just fast forward to the end. Not a doctor. Not a doctor. Um, (laughs) Not a doctor. So I'm like, okay, we're going to go to medical, medical school. And it just felt like all of the doors were just closing. And Hmm. I remember being so frustrated, like, all right, God, listen, like, what's the deal? You know, I I did my thing. I did my two years of Bible college. Like I've done, yeah, (laughs) I've done my time. Like give me my medical degree Um, (laughs) and my white picket fence. And I want the white picket fence. I want the four kids. I want the cute husband. Like, let's go. It's a new Barbie you want. Now you want (laughs) housemaker Barbie or (laughs) homesteader Barbie or whatever. Um, So I was just like, let me just rewind and figure out what my real passions are, right? Because wow. um, I think the the whole science and medicine, I'm really good at it, and yeah. I still love it. It's a lot of fun for me. I love like watching the ER shows that are <laughs> real and things like that. But Grey's Anatomy is not going to cut it for me. But <laughs> but the real ones are fun. Um, but it was like, okay, how am I going to? What am I going to do? Like, what what am I passionate about? And it's and while I was at Bible college, I actually discovered that I loved writing. Go figure. Huh. I never liked English classes in high school. So wow. it was like writing, like where'd that come from? Yeah. Um, and then I'm like, okay, well, I really like writing, but like, I don't know. I wouldn't want to be an editor or a journalist. Like yeah. what would I even write about? Yeah. And it was like, you're going to share your story. And I said, absolutely not. Under no circumstances <laughs> That's not is that going to happen. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it did. Um, so I wrestled God with that for probably like two years and mm. just really tried to apply to every college and program I could think of to get away from it. And did you really? <laughs> I call it my Jonah. I did. I oh I did. I I even like I tried to apply to teach English in China. Come like on. I'm not not even lying. <laughs> like, You're I was Jonah. Like, You're like, nope. Uh-uh. I will. <laughs> I will. I, I will, will run go the opposite direction. Absolutely anywhere. Like, send me to the underground church. Like, send me to somewhere where I could like be person. Mm. I, I will do that. Do not make me do this. And mm. so I finally just felt like, <laughs> like a bit like a like a toddler. I have two of them now, so I see it. But <laughs> like, I'm not going to like, fine, I'll do what you're asking me to, but it's like, I'm not happy I'm about not it. I'm not happy so about I, it. Yeah. <laughs> so I start up my website completely anonymously. Right. And yeah. like, no one needs this. This is stupid. Like so dumb. But now that I do this, now I'm going to get my, you know, husband and my picket fence. And <laughs> oh, here we go. So I, I start my website completely anonymous and share my story and people start emailing the mm. the, the website mm. and somebody emailed and asked if I would come and speak to their youth group Whoa. And I was like, oh snap because Whoa. you can be an anonymous writer but you, you like, can't be can't an anonymous speaker, anonymous speaker. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and I spoke at this youth group and I was like okay we can just keep this kind of on the DL like yeah. we don't need to it's still not a big deal like yeah. it was a purity talk it wasn't like me really sharing my yeah. Stories like, okay, um, and then I somehow got linked up with this like big name. He is a big name now. He wasn't back then, but 
a big name speaker in the Catholic circles. Ah. And he's like, hey, when I speak about pornography to the guys, why don't you come along with me and speak to the to the ladies? I'm not Catholic. And I was like, are you sure you right, want to do this? Right. And, and he's like, yeah, it'll be great. And so we like do this little stint where we're doing events together. And one of them was a college retreat in Canada. And it's just like a year and a half after I started my blog, I am not intending to make a life out of this. Yeah. Like I'm still like, God, okay, just let me know when I can go off to med school. Or let me know when the husband's coming. Like this is for me, this is like a waiting room, right? It's like, just right, tell me when right. I can leave. Like, right. Please let me know when I can leave. Um, mm. And I go to this women's conference or this college conference in Canada and I was leading the women's workshop. And I mean, you would know this, how many women's workshops are like about true beauty and like dating uh, and da 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 Yeah. And so I come rocking in and I'm like, we're talking about lust. <laughs> so <laughs> when I get there, people hadn't even looked because they just figured it was like one of the normal yeah, ones. Yeah, the normal. So when they meet me, I'm like, yeah, we're talking about lust. It's like, what? Oh, <laughs> what well, in that say? case, I know. <laughs> so I go to do this workshop and the room that they had put me in was completely full, completely full. Everybody, every chair was taken. Women were sitting on the floor Whoa. and standing around the corner of the room. Whoa. And so I, I give my presentation. Mm. That's actually the one where I did the ball and chain. Mm. And I walk out of the room mm-hmm. as they're in like small groups confessing their strongholds to each other and praying Come for on. each other. And I walk Come out of the on. room and I was like, I am not Beth Moore. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, I right, am not... Right. I am no, no one knows who I am. Like I've done this for a year and a half and I don't want anyone to know who I am. So no one does. And so they did not come for me. They didn't come to see Mm. me. Like they came for this message. Mm. And it was like, Mm. in that moment, I call Mm. that my Esther moment where, like, it was like, God said, you can go and you can have the life that you want. Like, go for it. You want to go do medical school? You want to go do that? You'll be great at it. You know, like have fun. Yeah. But and God's love would go with you, and like right. it, you know, like he's yeah. not gonna abandon right. me to this. Right. But it was like, and in Esther, like when Esther is saying, like, this is what the king's like, this is what's gonna happen, and, and Mordecai's like, don't you even dare, like, everyone mm. tries to make it all inspirational, but it's a confrontation, like, mm. he confronts her and he says, don't you even think for a minute that your silence is gonna save you, like, God's gonna send deliverance from somewhere, mm. and you mm. won't be saved, like, you won't be spared. And wow. so, I had this feeling of like, God's saying, yeah, sure, you can have that life that you want. You want to take the exit door? There it is. You know, like, mm. just shut your website down and be done. And, mm. but look, <laughs> like, this message is needed. Yeah. And there are women there yeah. who need it. And I had this moment of, yeah, I know what that's like. And yeah. I know what that's like to sit through church event after church event after church event wow. and not hear anybody talk about where I am. Wow, Jessica. I know that they're there. Yeah. And I know how to get them out. Mm. I can't leave them there. Mm. Like I cannot. I can't leave them. Mm. And how can I how can I walk away knowing mm. that they need help? Yeah. And knowing that there's nobody else yeah out there talking about it. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I have no idea how this is going to look, but here we go. <laughs> and wow. so here we are. Wow. <laughs> Many over a decade later. Um mm. and it it was not mm. easy. There was a lot of banging on doors and rattling cages mm. and when I first started to try to get this message into churches and things like that, or magazines or yeah. um, podcasts weren't really a thing back then, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the overall response was like, nah, women don't really need this. And wow. so Beggar's Daughter kind of changed from trying to confront the church because the church was not ready for that yeah. to just talking to the women who struggle. Wow. And so really ministering to them and over the 
years, we've seen the conversation changing mm. where churches are asking for resources because they're starting mm. to see those women come yeah. to their to their offices and ask yeah. for help. Um, wow! So it's been a it's been an amazing journey. It's definitely hard, and it's not one that I signed up for exactly. But, totally, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like no real anointing is is born without that like pressing, right? And so I feel like just just like it, the difference between you pursuing a platform and you stewarding a message. And like mm-hmm. you are stewarding such a message that God has given you. And it's a such a painful one, but I think of all the freedom and all the healing, all the belonging, all the goodness, all the flourishing, all the freedom on the other side of your yes and on the other side of God's faithfulness mm-hmm. to you, Jessica. I'm so grateful that you're so grateful that you reluctantly said yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um let me if you if you don't mind, Jessica, let me ask you one more question. I wish I could talk to you for hours. Um, I'm just very sensitive right now to our listeners who are struggling specifically with pornography addiction. We could talk about this addiction in general, but I actually think you're here with this message, quote, Esther, or for such a time <laughs> as this. Um, you know, what words of—I know you're not a pastor necessarily, but I think you are in so many ways. Can you pastor our listeners who are just like, man, mm-hmm. Jessica's story is my story, or it's so close to my story, and they're they're carrying this thing alone? Like, what what's a word yeah. for them? I would—I like, look back at those journal pages, right, mm-hmm. like, and look at 17-year-old me who is just feeling so stuck yeah, and so wanting freedom. And, like, the first journal page that— I tore out was like day one of a Bible study of freedom I was doing. And you know, it's day one is always the best. Like January 1st, you're always up early and in the gym and eating right, right? <laughs> right. Like that's just how it works. And so like day one, I'm like, Jesus is the living water, which is like actually ironically like the message of my book that I just wrote. But like, <laughs> Jesus is the living water. Like that was day one of my Bible study. And, and I had it all figured out. I'm like, oh, I've been going to pornography for all the wrong reasons. Like I had it all, you know, mm. I had figured this thing out and mm. I had my list of guidelines. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to have my computer here. I'm not going to be on. The, like I had all of these rules that were mm. going to protect me and keep me, you know, help me break free. Right. Yeah. Week later, so the next page is the next week. Day two of my Bible study. So, <laughs> so I've obviously gone like a whole week to do That's so the next real. Day. That's so real, right? And there. my. Um, and I'm, that's where I'm talking about. I'm so mad at myself for getting on that website. Like I worked so hard to get mm. that website to work. Mm. And like, I just, mm. I, I'm so mad at myself. I was literally arguing with myself out loud as I was doing it, crying, you know, and now I'm mad and I'm like actually slapping myself, trying to like get myself to knock it off. Mm. And mm. my heart breaks for that 17 year old me, right? Cause oh, like, yeah. and I know that there are so many women who are, in that exact spot. Like, mm. I want to love Jesus so much, but man, I'm screwing this up so bad and I like I want to quit. Yeah. And I think my encouragement would be, it's not always gonna be this hard, right? Like it, wow. when you are first wow. trying to break free from something, when you're, it, it makes sense that it's hard. And yeah. I think yeah. in Christian circles, we've been so... I guess to borrow your phrase, like we haven't stewarded messages as well. And when we do testimony time, it's always like the cold turkey testimonies. Like I came to know Jesus and boom, like my whole life. (laughs) And it's not, 
it's not realistic for yeah. so many people who are stuck in the trenches of this. And they're like, well, where's my magic Jesus moment? Mm. Like, am I not doing this right? Mm. Like, am I not loving God hard enough? Did I not pray the prayer the right way? Did I not read my Bible long enough? Like, what is the deal? Like, yeah. why am I not getting that, you know? Oh. Right. And <laughs> I think it's so important for women to realize in this that you're, you are not only fighting a battle for like, purity and like your heart and your mind, but like your body, like there's a physiological aspect of this yes. too that has yes. to heal. Yes. And that's not an excuse like right. for you to stay stuck in it, but it's yeah. help you understand that there are underlying things that have to happen and that this is a hard yeah. journey and it is okay for it to be hard. Mm. Like there was a point mm. in my journey where I almost like went through withdrawal, like Mm. I yeah. was like trembling. Like after so many, it was, I think it was like two or three weeks of no pornography and no masturbation, none of that stuff. Yeah. I was like hurting, like my body just hurt. And I was like, what on earth? Wow. And I don't know why I knew this, but I was like, this reminds me of like those people that go through withdrawal from drugs. That's what and I was just thinking. That's addiction you, withdrawal, right? Wow. Yes. Yes. And I did not realize it was a thing until I shared it like as part of my story. And I had other women go, oh my goodness, I did the same. Like the same thing happened to me. But like, we're not talking about this kind of Mm-mm, stuff. Heck we no. just like, we make it sound like if you just love Jesus hard enough, proof <laughs> it all just goes away. Totally. And it doesn't, it's a process. Mm. And so it's not always going to be as hard as it is in the beginning. And mm. just- and don't give up and be willing yeah. to see, like be willing to see the little victories. And I know that's hard. It's hard when you've gone like a week and then you fall and you're like, I've screwed up, but you went a week. Yeah, like, celebrate that. That's huge. Yeah. And God is working in you and you're, as you turn around faster and as you catch it sooner and as you stop yourself mm. sooner, like those are all proof of growth and there yeah. will be a point and this is, like if I can say anything, there will be a point where it's not hanging over your life anymore. Like I don't live my life every day in fear of pornography. Like wow. I don't, I don't live my life every morning. Like okay, not today, not today. Like I don't even, mm. other than the ministry that I do to women and where I write about it and where occasionally it'll pop up as like a, why do I feel that way about my body? Oh, yeah. it's probably because of that. Yeah, I, I don't it's not a prevalent thought in my everyday. Mm. Like I have mm. in God's grace and goodness, the life that I always wanted, that white picket fence and the, and the babies and the stuff. And it was many years later than what yeah. I planned for it to happen. Yeah. And there was a healing journey that happened there, yeah. but man, you can get there. Like, mm. And so if there's mm. any hope that I can offer, it's like, yeah, the beginning is super hard. Like, mm. I didn't wake up one day and just like, poof, done with pornography. Yeah. Like, I woke up one day going, I've got this all figured out. And then woke up one day a week later and didn't have any of it figured <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> and went through that for probably a couple years of this, like back and forth. Oh, I made it one week. Oh, I made it one month. Oh, I made it two months. Oh, I screwed up for a whole mm. week back to back, you know, until I finally felt like, okay, I'm I'm getting this. Like yeah. I am finding freedom, freedom. and began to walk in it. Mm. And so just... It's okay for it to be hard. Oh, and God so good, meets Jessica. you in that hard, right? Like he doesn't yeah, expect you to get right. through it on yourself. Right. He's walking through it with you. That's right. That's right. Oh, Jessica, thank you so much for sharing so much of your story and what God's done in you. Where can our listeners find your books, find your resources, find Beggar's Daughter, follow you, all of that good, fun stuff? All that stuff. Everything is Beggar's Daughter. So um, except for the book, the book is quenched. Um 
So my first book is Beggar's Daughter. My second book that just released in January is Quenched. Um, But you can find everything at beggarsdaughter.com. Awesome. And we'll certainly share all of that on our socials as well. Jess, thanks so much for being here with us today. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. Well, I told you that was a good one, didn't I, Davey? Powerful, right? Yeah. um, Really a crazy story of God's rescue plan for us. Yeah. Right? Intersecting us in a, you know, when we... um, when we decide to go our own way and to give in to, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the allure, but then also layered on top of it, the shame and the, yeah. you know, and we just, yeah. and, and we get buried under that yeah. saying, okay, I don't know if there is another path for me and we just dive into it. And then God comes in and rescues. <sighs> what a powerful. Isn't it powerful? I mean, the fact that she was idea. like 17 mm. years old, attending a Christian college and like deciding to become an adult film star. Yeah. yeah. And that the Lord stepped in in that way, I think is really, mm. I mean, you're right. I, I I hadn't honestly until just now you saying that, David, I hadn't thought a bit about the Lord's like great rescue plan in her life, but that's exactly yeah. That's exactly what happened. Like God literally like saved her from a totally different life she could have. Well, and a lot of times our, his rescue plan in our life is exposing what's going on mm. in our life. And yeah, so totally. Initially, like uh, my world is, is, is crumbled. It is completely, yeah. mm. you know, been upended. And yet it's like, well, this is God's mercy because this mm. is a pivotal critical yeah. junction he's stopping yeah. you from heading down. You know, there's a way that seems right to man is what scripture says, but in the end it leads to death. Yeah. And so God's kindness is to go, okay, I'm going to expose this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because we're his kids, right? If we yeah. are like, and he disciplines those he loves. Yeah. Those he considers sons and daughters. So sometimes it's hard to see that though. Yeah, totally. And it's vulnerable, right? Because it means Very your secrets vulnerable. are out. Like my secrets yeah. are out then. Yeah. But at the end of the day, this literally was the difference between like life and death and a life of imprisonment to to adult film and to pornography and to all the things, trafficking, Mm. all the things that go Mm. with it. And now she's in ministry, you know, like helping set other women free. So one of the things that, I mean, I know that this is relatable to a lot of our listeners. I know it's not relatable to all of our listeners, but I think what we can all connect with is the shame there. Mm. So powerful when Jessica just said, like, shame is a liar. Mm. And the fact mm. that the, sh- the shame, the chains of shame, like, kept her right. so heavy. But eventually when she began to, like, be able to speak against that and see that, that's when, like, healing happened right. for her. And right. interesting to me that there's the... There was the shame for her of the like usage and addiction to pornography, mm. um, shame of uh, this relationship we had she had online with that guy. But then, on top of that, this double layer of shame because, like, as a young girl, mm. she wasn't quote supposed to. This wasn't supposed to be her struggle. This is a guy's right. struggle. This isn't. Right. So it's like the way the enemy like layered mm. shame upon shame upon shame. Um, mm. Man, the enemy's tactics are strong. Yeah, it really, it, he really is. Uh, and and I think what's important, one, we're seeing this to be increasingly prevalent. Yeah. Uh, both with men and women, because yeah. 
because of the access that, yeah. you know, it's everything is so readily accessible yeah. right there in our fingertips. Yeah. You know, and that wasn't the case 20, 25 years ago. Right. It's, it's a, it's a different, so that, so it feels like that pull and that tug and the enemy's snares are so much stronger mm. because of that. And so I, I say that from a cautionary standpoint. I also say that from a standpoint of like inviting people to freedom mm. to not hide behind this place of like, nobody's going to understand because nobody's yeah. dealing with this. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are or, or what place you are in life or what your gender is. The enemy wants you to, wants this to stay covered. Yeah, that's it. And he wants it to stay hidden. But I, I mean, just like what Jessica found, if you could find people, safe people. Safe people. Right. To be able to disclose this to them mm-hmm. and to to get out from underneath mm-hmm. that heavy weight of shame. And and that's what's on, I'll say this as well. What's really important is that when you're somebody who is that safe person, yeah, how important it is to continue to be that safe person. Yes. And be mindful of your response or That's what you so say. Good. Say more about of, that, Davey. Well, shame is one of those things that, like, it's almost like I don't know. The first thought that came to my mind was like a, a turtle kind of poking his head out mm. to see if something's safe. And the mm. moment there's like a, oh, it's not safe. They're gonna recoil yeah. and jump back yeah. in. And so, with this, especially you know, scripture even distinguishes sexual sin mm. in terms of you know, this is sin against your own body right. too, right? right? So it distinguishes, it puts it a, a, aside from, or, you know, not necessarily greater than any other sin, right, but like right. it, it says, okay, there's some it, elements of this yeah. that it, that becomes more complicated. Mm-hmm. And I think it is because of that shame mm-hmm. element that's so prevalent with it. And so now it's so tangled up together that when you are someone who, if someone comes and confesses to you, 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 your response is going to determine mm-hmm. whether they continue to feel that shame, yeah, or whether they walk in. I don't want to say I don't want to say the pressure's on you to walk that they walk in freedom, but I'm going right, to say you're right. going to you're going to be able to be an instrumental player yeah. in them walking in freedom. Most people that I hear about who are entangled in addiction, they would say the same thing that Jessica said. They would say there was this instrumental group, this instrumental person right here. Yeah. Yeah, that became a safe place for me to disclose this when I thought nobody else would understand, nobody else would, mm-hmm. and 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 now all of a sudden that shame has, it's come to light, and so the shame no longer has power over me. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's the stronghold that I think the enemy really wants us to get bound up by is this stronghold of shame. So that's how we can become healing people for others as well. Yeah, I think that's so good, and I think that I was I was telling you before we were recording, like the I you know I speak at a lot of events, and the amount of women and girls that have confessed to me that this is their struggle, I think you're exactly right, Davy. Like it, we're we're saying that so that listeners, maybe this is something you struggle with, or you know someone that does, you're not alone. Like you're not right. weird. You're not. Right. Um, now I do believe God wants to set you free, and I do yes. believe this doesn't have to be your reality. But right. I also. Do, we don't want the enemy to keep those addictions, those pornographies, those attachments to the mm. wrong things mm. in the dark, because that is where they thrive. But shame right. cannot exist in the light. And um, wow. so, yeah, if you There's, can find that safe person to talk to, and like you said, be the safe person. Don't yes. don't freak out when somebody comes and tells you that. You know, don't be like, right. <gasps> how dare you? Like, right. 
Take it in stride. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's two ditches that the enemy can cause us to fall into when it comes to addiction, especially when it comes to shame-filled addiction. And the one ditch is that we can begin to go, oh, this is so commonplace. This is so normal that it's not mm. a big deal. And oh, so we can that's good. give ourselves to like license, right? Uh -huh. Like, oh yeah, everybody's doing this. Yeah. It's fine. So it's, it's fine. not a big it's, deal. Right. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Or we can, wow, this is such a big deal that I can't tell anybody about this. Nobody will understand. Yeah. And then yeah. now we are bound under shame. And so- mm. We've got to steer clear of those two ditches mm. and know that that's the enemy's tactics in this. We're going to have a propensity toward one or the other. That's good, Davey. You know. Yeah. Mm. I hadn't thought about that. That's really good. Well, we know that you appreciated uh, Jessica's vulnerability. She's got a ministry yeah. called Beggar's Daughter that she mentioned. Be sure to follow her. And um, yeah, especially, again, especially if this is something you're struggling with, Jessica would be a safe person for you to reach mm. out to. We also um, would love to invite you to take your next step here at Nothing Is Wasted. If you've been around, you've been listening maybe to the podcast or you've come in through another door, Instagram, something like that, and just sort of wondering like, hey, I want more resources for mm -hmm. this thing that I'm struggling with. I want more resources in my own pain story. We would yep. love to invite you to go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Yeah. Uh, pretty simple. Nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Yep. That's basically to sign up for a free live call with Davey. It's like five steps, very simple ways to take mm -hmm. back your story and get connected with the work and the ministry of Nothing Is Wasted. Yep. We do that Zoom call regularly. It's a, it's wonderful. I mean, it's for anybody who's going, all right, what's my next step? What do I need? You know, Or if you're new and you're just trying to figure out, yeah. okay, how do I get started on this journey? That's what that uh, that call is there for. Invite other people. Have you been on it? I know there's a lot of people who invite people as well. So nothingiswasted.com slash start here. We'd also like to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can download or stream uh, his music anywhere. Music can be downloaded and streamed. We'd love to encourage you to follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Follow me at Davey Blackburn. Follow Aubrey at Obsam. Aubrey, I want to ask you about this. Yes. Um, at this point, when people are listening to this, your new book has released... <gasps> Oh wait, when By is this? this? Is it? Is it? I Will believe it so. Right? <gasps> uh, October seventeenth is when the kids oh, book okay. comes Let's out. So are we here. still a little? On. Hold on, let me see here. Let a little ahead of the game here. Oh, we are a little ahead of the game. Oh, so okay. pre-orders. Pre-order. I'm. I am. Thank you for bringing this up. I don't know I'm, why I thought this was in September that it was releasing. Yeah, it's October seventeenth. October seventeenth. So big feelings days. Mm. Please pre-order it. Your wife has uh, just got it in the mail. Seen it. Yes, right. which is very exciting. She so sent cool me some see. pictures reading it to your kiddos <laughs> and uh, very excited. It's a book about hard things, heavy emotions, and Jesus's love for little ones. Mm. The little ones that you're walking with who have big feelings. So be yeah. sure to check that out. Thanks, Davey. Oh, absolutely. Love, absolutely. love. Hey, uh, next up, we have a conversation with Tim Timberlake. Yes. Don't know if he's of those Timberlakes or not. <laughs> he we probably won't. wears some Timberlakes. Yeah, he probably does wear he's some Timberlakes. He's got some swag, that's for sure. I uh, got to have this interview. You I got did to, this. You guys okay. finally let me take another interview <laughs> over here. Man. We'll let you keep your job, I suppose. <laughs> I will let you. All right, well, let's go ahead and take a listen to part of Davey's conversation with Pastor Tim Timberlake. You know, I, I stopped really looking at it as a loss and start looking at it as congratulations. They so um, have gotten their crown. They have gotten their heavenly and righteous reward. And what an honor and a privilege it was to just be in their presence and enjoy the gift of who they were while they were here 
on earth. And so, you know, in hindsight and reflecting on that, the more that I really process it from that viewpoint, uh, the more I see the benefits of going through what I went through, the pain that I went through and, mm. and the struggle that I went through. And, you know, it's all a um, defining mechanism that can utilize its greatness and extract greatness out of us if we allow it to, that there is no king, there is no queen that's position until another king or another mm -hmm. queen transitions. And so I think for us to have an opportunity to step up and into a position uh, that only comes when it's passed on to us. Number one, it's honoring. Number two, it's 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 putting us in a position to reflect those that have gone before us. And, and number three, it shows us the faithfulness of God uh, because although it is an end to uh, a life for someone, it's not an ending for everyone. Right. And so for those of us that are still here, I think we have to learn uh, how to glean the goodness, how to glean the the joy, how to glean the happiness out of life, because that's what our loved ones would want for us. And so that's yeah. what I've tried to do. Uh, I've tried to stay in the lane and in the vein of who I believe um, my father would want me to be, and mo most importantly, who Jesus has called me to be. And uh, I, I know that he's celebrating that in heaven. <laughs>